I burned my throne once. It was no game. I put one of those citronella candles down next to my white plastic lawn chair that I use for outdoor parties when the weather is nice. Or if it's a new moon and I know an ancient spellcasting circle is going to break out. I like to make sure I have a spot of my own so I don't get grass stains on my warlock trousers. Anywho, this was one of those deals at Mindy's house. Mindy of the mosquitoes are God's creatures too, so she doesn't believe in spraying or anything. So we're out back and everyone's just getting eaten up. Except for me, of course, because I brought a citronella votive. has a little sticker of a harvest dragon on the outside, so no one suspected anything. But as I was trying to push it out of the way so Lee Nesbitt could spread out her obsidian shards, which she says only respond to new moon energy, which is not true, but okay. Anyway, I started to smell burning plastic, which is how the guana smells after a rain. And all of a sudden, the chair leg melted out from under me, and I was rolling into Lee Nesbitt's black glass shards, letting out little yelps of pain as Clark Donahoe obliviously played the hits of Cat Stevens on the pan flute. So yeah, I know what it's like to be sad about a chair. Well, Game of Thrones is over and our new moon ceremonies are behind us, so it's time to open up the portal that leads us to a softer place, the Deep Night. Abducted in plain sight. That's the name of the documentary we could not remember. Well, one of them anyway. Hello, it's me, Dale Shiver, and I am your very real and lived-in host, guru, and turtleneck-wearing guide as we sail through this next hour of regrets and revelations. Today on the show, oh, we go back. We go back to my time in San Francisco and fill in a little chapter you may not know about me. For a time, I fell in with some comedy folks out in the Bay Area. Ginny and I had been doing a lot of couples counseling. Going to it, not giving it. (laughs) Although I'm sure Ginny would have loved that. You should have seen her boundary workshop we did one day. You're supposed to take a little string and draw your boundary. She filled the entire room. (laughs) Anyway, one of the suggestions for us was that I should have my own thing to do, and maybe improv comedy would be helpful as a means for me to, you know, get my mind off of things like having a career or making it in Hollywood. And turns out sketch comedy in San Francisco is the perfect escape from ever having to think about those things or being successful in any way, really. So I signed up with Killing My Lobster, and we had a great time, and I think they loved having me in the writer's room so much because, as it turns out, this was sketch comedy, not improv. They said, you know what? Uh, Dale, even though this conflicts with our writing sessions, which is a shame, maybe you would host this variety show that we've started at the Makeout Room. Now, it was supposed to be a benefit for the homeless folks there, and as it turns out, it was a benefit to me. (laughs) Because that's really where things started to click. And Ginny did the show with me, but after a year or so, I was kind of getting a little worn out, and I noticed a bright-eyed kid in the crowd every month, and that kid was Paco Romaine. So you'll hear a little bit about that in our conversation. And I want to thank Paco for coming in when he was in New York recently. And a quick reminder that our season finale episode is coming up. So get your listening parties ready for that. And be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It always means a lot as we wrap up another season here. Now, Paco Romain, oh, he's a great comedian, an actor, a writer, a voiceover actor, an improviser. 
and a podcaster, all the good things. He has appeared on Comedy Central, Drunk History, Nickelodeon, and was a writer for the Gilbert Gottfried Roast. He's also been a frequent guest on the Todd Glass Show. He was the voice of Pandora Radio. He's been in a lot of commercials in the film Milk. He's been named SF's Funniest Comedian twice, twice. It's amazing. And uh, we also talk about uh, the Punchline Comedy Club out there in San Francisco, which is undergoing some kind of, uh, you know, the effects of gentrification, which is what everybody's talking about. They're getting kicked out of their space, but people are rallying. So I urge you to tune into that. Uh, Save the Punchline is the hashtag. Read up on it and see what's happening there. And if you can, uh, lend your support. That would be great. Um, And whatever happens with them, just a legendary club in San Francisco. And we, we talk about Paco's history with that. But we also talk about our history together. So let's go now to my conversation with my pal, Paco Romaine. Paco Romaine. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Very good, thank good. you. Good. Welcome to New York. You're mm-hmm. in from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, you brought some warm weather I with did. you. Thank you. You're welcome. How much pizza have you had already? I've had uh, my weight in pizza already. <laughs> well, first night here, two pizzas. Oh yeah, yeah, that's good. Back what happened? Back. Somebody spilled something on it. That's right. Someone broke their apple teeny on my first pizza. I was already done, but I still had half a pizza left. Oh, so I played it You're off. Not done, friend. No, no, there was nothing. There was no done in that. No, and she was like, "I'll buy you another," and I was like, "Okay, yeah, yeah. let's do that." Yeah, and she did, and it was delightful but then you had to wait for a whole other pizza to come out i did i did See, it, that's the thing that is the problem yeah. yeah yeah that was the problem but like i i, I was already full so i had to like get the appetite back oh up. okay so you had a nice little yeah <laughs> moment i had a moment to recover right for yeah. the uh the muscles to receive i wanted more. to take pictures of everyone with pizza boxes in there oh. like I, I feel like i've never seen so many pizza boxes in my life <laughs> so and i feel like that would be like a nice coffee table book Oh, yes. People of all hold- the different ones or just people holding them? People holding them. Mm. Just people holding a pizza box. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, I hope you got some. I haven't. No. <laughs> okay. <I'm>, yeah. <laughs> no. I, just let me know when the Kickstarter is for that. I, I will. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Paco, I got to tell you, uh, I'm always happy to see you. Yeah. Uh, so it's great to see you now. But we go out there to the uh, San Francisco Sketch Fest. Right. And every time I go, I feel totally alone. Even uh, though I live there, you know, but I don't really know anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really know anybody. Yeah. And I go to the after parties. I love the after parties because that's where you're supposed to mix and mingle. Right, but then right. I'm a little bit shy, you know, because oh, yeah. approaching people and all that. But then I'll spot you sitting there and, oh, yeah. it does my heart good because I say, oh, Paco. There it of is. Of course. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> you know, and uh, then everything's fine from there. I can have a drink and loosen up and then I can go talk to people. Yeah. Uh, but we always have a great conversation. Always. Yes. Yeah. And we should uh, fill people because we have a history together. We have a bit of a history. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what was happening there? I was uh, ho- hosting a cabaret. The best. Variety show. Yeah. And uh, same deal, about two or three people. <laughs> <laughs> a couple people. Yeah. I was one of them. I was half the audience. Yeah. yeah. And I always appreciate you being there, yeah. too. That's what I mean. It's a long history of being happy to see your face. Thank you. Thank you. Whether on stage or uh, in a basement somewhere. Yeah. And uh, we were doing this thing at the makeout room. Right. Yeah. Nice place. Still awesome. there. Still there, oddly yeah. enough. Okay. A lot of things change in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, but then I said, oh, gosh, I got I to gotta stop doing this. Right. And uh, Paco, take over. Yes. <laughs> Incredible. That was so awesome. Because I would, you, you had a monthly. 
Yes. Right. It was yes. a monthly. It was yes. the last Wednesday of every month at 8 p.m. Yes. at the Makeout Room, the yeah. Killing My Lobster Cabaret. That's right. And I would go every month because I loved your bit. I loved it. <laughs> I thought it was genius. And I forget the the actor you were with, the actress, the lady. The lady that's Chantouse of the Desert, yes. Ginny Lovethorn. That's right. Yes, that's my uh, ex-wife now. <laughs> right. yes. So thank you for bringing her May up. her rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's still alive. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she moved it... back to San Francisco. Oh, she did? Yes, oh, we've she... made amends. We're okay now. Oh, good. Uh, we had a good conversation about who wanted children, who didn't want children. Right. And uh, anyhow, and I remarried, she's remarried, everything's fine. Oh, good. Uh, some, we had one kind of awkward picnic in their backyard. <laughs> oh, yeah, that can happen. <laughs> yeah. That can happen. Yeah. Is that when you brought your new wife? Wife, uh, or was that yes. what made it awkward? And she appreciates it when I call her my new wife. <laughs> I'm sure she does. I'm sure she does. But yes. I love that show. You guys were awesome. You guys were geniuses. I and I oh, thank you. Like my whole thing is like imp- improv and sketch back then, and yep. like I was like that was kind of before I got into it all. And I was really you uh, weren't doing stand up and all that stuff. Then? No, no, nothing. No, I really? didn't do nothing. I wasn't doing nothing. Um, I was making like uh, comedy videos. I was Ooh. making short videos. Yeah, like a VHS. Well, back then, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of Betamax. Yeah, yeah. High eight, high eights. There, yes, all of those things. Yeah, <laughs> collages, whatever I could get my hands on. And I just, I heard about that show, and uh, I would go every month because I loved what you guys did. I loved the improv. I loved the sketch. I loved the ideas. I loved the 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 show in itself. Yeah. And then I don't. I think I just went up to you one time. I'm like, you guys are geniuses. You're like, you want the show? (laughs) Here's my out. I got a sucker. To this day, if somebody came up to me now and said that, yeah, I would, <laughs> just hand same it to response. Me. Well, that's why I'm here. <laughs> if I ever get a compliment, <laughs> oh great, <laughs> great, yeah. You could, and then you took the show and you really ran with it and you I, made it your own thing. Yes, and then it became the Romaine event. Yes, it did. Which which uh, became hugely important for stand up in San Francisco. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it did. It was it was a great show, and I I did it forever. Yeah. Like I, I had that show from 2003. Yes, when it was still the KML Cabaret, and then yep. uh, changed it to Remain of. I was gonna re- call it the Variety Shmariety Show, yeah. but, but it was kind of I didn't know how to spell Shmariety. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> I think you did the right choice. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> and then did it from then till 2014, 2014. Man, that's a good run. And you had everybody coming through. Anybody that was in San Francisco, anybody that was on their way through San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably on their way to Sacramento. Yeah, on their way to like all the points in between. You got your Vallejo, your Richmond. Yeah, people are going to Hayward. Oh, Pittsburgh Bay Point. Oh, yeah, hey, the nine train. People up there. Uh, so and and it just uh, it was. I guess more people showed up. <laughs> yes, thank God. There was a time when me and my DJ buddy would sit at the end of the bar and just wonder. You know that. It was a long bar, a very well. long, narrow room, and yes. wonder if anybody was going to come in through those doors at yep. the very beginning. Yeah. It was three bucks to get in. Three bucks. Yeah. That's pretty decent. It was a decent price for yep. comedy. Yeah. But I had, like, Mark Marin do it. Robin Williams came through, like, uh, Marine I mean. Bamford. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Maria Bamford. Yeah. I mean, all the greats. Yeah, yeah, good people. Great people. And I think so many people that were kind of up and coming from San Francisco. Allie Wong. Too. Yeah, I she mean, did a bunch. Yes. Yeah. 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 Allie, W. Kamal Bell, Chris Garcia. Um, I, I love mean, it. Yeah. I love dropping all those names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wait, I'm not done. Wait, he, you can't see, but I actually have a, a notebook that I'm reading from. But uh, and so then you stopped in uh, 2014 and devoted everything to stand up. 
Yeah, for the most part. For the yeah. most well, part. I mean, yes, I did. Yeah, I stopped, and I had never just been a comedian before. Because yeah. when I started, I was just a producer. Right. I didn't do anything, so <laughs> <laughs> I just produced it, and and I did what I wanted to do. What you guys did, I would come out in different characters. Yeah. And introduced the acts as a different character each time, and then I was got into stand up, yep. and then I was like, I just need to be a stand up comic. When now I you know I do a couple characters, not a lot. But uh, when you do the character, the the choice to go away from that was because I just don't want to keep getting dressed up in the bathroom it was in be- the alleyway of the makeup room. <laughs> yes, I had to fight the rats for my mustaches. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, I used a couple of those buckets as a restroom. Oh, <laughs> as we all did. Oh yeah, because the restroom was all the way across the room, oh, you and you had to leave. Yeah. yeah, and it was next to the the bucket machine, yeah. the ice bucket thing, <laughs> which are always really hot. Have you ever noticed how yeah. how much heat those things give off? Yeah, it's very hot back there, kind of smelly, kind of weird. Yeah, in that little uh, office. Yeah, the office, yeah. and that door was extremely squeaky yes and then at one point i fucking oiled it <laughs> is it okay to swear on this is okay to swear. you did well i actually did so here we go but i was i couldn't take it but it took me years yeah. to actually get some wd-40 <laughs> but yeah. i did it's scarce in san francisco it's, they don't have a lot of it yeah you know, smuggle it in yeah you do yeah you would think lubricants would <laughs> tape it to the back of an iphone case <laughs> oh, yeah. get it in there yeah <laughs> it's the only way you can get it in there. Yeah, so yeah, I was like stand up, man. This is this is I just want to be a stand up comedian. That's amazing. Yeah. But uh but backing up there, how you you were you said you were not doing anything when you were there in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You're from Detroit originally? Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yes. Uh, a place I've never been. I have been to Detroit, but I haven't sure. been to Kalamazoo. Not many people have. No. I mean, well, some people I mean, have been to Kalamazoo. It's just like a thing. It's, it's a like thing. It's a song, isn't it? I got a gal. Yeah. Yeah. Kalamazoo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we... One of the best names. Oh, I know. That's I'm... a great name. It's a great name. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, like, my dad always said, you're from where you fly out of. So when you tell people where are you oh. from, then you'd be like, ah, fuck it, I'm from Detroit. What was yeah. he trying to cover up? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not really sure, but that guy had a past. <laughs> He was covering up a lot, yeah, I would imagine. Sounds yeah. like it. Yeah. That's the kind of thing you impart because you you know <laughs> you got families in a couple other places. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> a couple of families. Yeah. He's like, I'm from Toledo. I'm from Detroit. Wherever. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a Rodney Dangerfield bit in a little bit. There's something in there. Something workshop it. Uh so, so Kalamazoo, uh, were you excited by comedy? Were you even interested in it? Oh no? yeah. What were you doing? I was interested when I was I've always wanted to be a comedian and a writer, like an yeah. actor. So and you knew it was a thing. It was a I I knew it was a thing as soon okay. as I saw Ricky Schroeder in Silver Spoons. Oh yes. yeah. I mean, I was like, this is a thing. Also starring the lovely Aaron Gray. Oh gosh. From Buck Rogers. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Aaron Theopolis. Yes. Aaron Gray. Was it Tiggy? What was the robot? Twig, twiggy, 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 twiggy. Right? yeah, beat it, beat it, yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, I yeah, but I grew up like in a little. I did, so I didn't even grow up in Kalamazoo. I grew up like in a, the farm outside of the Kalamazoo in the farm area. Yeah, my parents are like acting comedy. What are you talking about? There's right. no way that's going to happen. So I was always in music. I did music. And but wait a minute, what would Ricky Schroeder? You because he was uh, he was it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I like that the, show sparked something for you. I think it I had a crush just on a train him. that went all the way around. The... What? Oh, God, if I had that train today, you know how much fun we would have? Except, you know, I've met some grown adult men that have those lo- those <laughs> yeah. trains like that. Yeah, they're compensating for something. That's <laughs> you know what a, I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. a little weird. A lot of tunnels. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of. 
a lot of cabooses going. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little strange. I just like, but like growing, I loved Rob. I loved uh, Mark and Mindy. Yeah, I loved Robin. He's also from Michigan, isn't he? He was from Detroit. Yeah, yeah, originally then Marin. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think in Chicago or something. Uh, but I loved Mark and Mindy. I loved Monty Python. Yeah. I loved Steve Martin. I loved Saturday Night Live. You know, that, the whole the thing. thing. The, the canon. The canon, exactly. Yes. For my, my for my time period, that was the thing. And it's all I ever wanted to do. So I used to, so in fifth, fourth and fifth grade, I convinced my teachers to let me write plays and put them on in front of the school. Oh, yeah. So I wrote a bunch of comedy plays. Um, and that's just all I ever wanted to do. But my parents were like, nope, that's not for you. And I had to wait. So They just crushed the dreams right oh, there? Oh, yeah. Just yeah. put a stop to it. Oh, yeah. They were just, no. You're did, not gonna... did you get to produce the plays that you wrote? Yes. Okay, so you got that far. Yes. And I... they saw it and said, oh, boy. Yeah, wait, no. This... Yeah, <laughs> they left no in the good. middle. <laughs> yeah, they left during intermission. Yeah, they were not fans. So they were not encouraging of your creative pursuits all along? Oh, they were they were slightly. I mean, as you know, like watch me jump, Dad. You know, like a, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I mean, off to the airport. <laughs> yeah, my dad couldn't catch him. Uh, but I mean, like that. So that was. I just see growing up in a small town in Michigan. I just didn't know that it could be a career. I didn't sure could not imagine that you could do. I still it's still hard for me. It's I, it's a thing. Imagining that, it as a career is still difficult. Oh yeah, or it just like that could lead to anything. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. uh, but. So they were not encouraging, but uh, did that mean they wanted you to be, uh, you know, an accountant or something? What was the lawyer. family trade? Oh, lawyer. Yeah. Well, the, that, that was my my dad was a fireman. My mom was a teacher. So, so something you know, working civic. class. Yes, yeah. extremely working class and uh, and noble. Wanted yeah. to oh, give yeah. back. Oh yeah. 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 It's awesome. You know, civic duty, the whole thing. But like that was never for me. Uh, you know that thing. So I just lied to them, like law. That's what I'm going to do. And they're like, Yay! Yeah. And then secretly, I was like, I want to be on stage. <laughs> you know. So I think that lawyer thing and actor thing is very close. I, I think do there's too. a lot of uh, struggling and probably in both directions, but usually in the the lawyers, uh, uh, you know, wanting to uh, speech, uh, give a speech, and to uh, stand up in front of an audience and yeah. tell them how it is. Remember their lines exactly, and there's some. There are some comics like Greg Geraldo was a lawyer. There are, are some yeah. comics that did the law thing before law yeah. talk, and you know, and the way you structure stand up is kind of you have a thesis statement, and you know, yes. it's kind of the same kind of idea. Yep. Yeah. So wait, you can structure comedy? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm an, I'm old school. I've already learned something. <laughs> well, yeah, climb aboard, folks. A thesis, and then what? You just support it all the way. <laughs> you just support it somehow. I keep coming back to it. Oh, my mind is blown. Uh, and so, uh, what? What you were? Did you go to law school? No, no, I was pre-law. Pre pre law, whatever that means. Very open. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a lot of just like liberal arts, liberal arts, okay. history and political science. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I got a bachelor's in political science. Oh. in history. And yeah. where was that? Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, n- <laughs> University of University of yeah, Michigan. What's the hierarchy there? <laughs> University of Michigan. Yeah, uh, some dental school. Yeah, and then Michigan State. <laughs> I think is how it how it goes. <laughs> I think that's how, if you're from. Oh Michigan. my! Yeah, there's a little rivalry. Well, and I grew up in Michigan State country. Scorching. Oh yeah, that's a burn. Yeah, that's a part of my zinger. <laughs> they're not going to recover from that. No, they're not. Well, oh my gosh, yeah, they have a I lot bet. of scandals. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> they're not are doing so great. Not great. No, no. they don't need that's me to true. pilot it on. No, no, they're doing it themselves. Right? Yeah, is that the gymnasts and everything? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah they, they're no good. They're, yeah. I see what you mean. Right. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> down keep, down there. Keep burying them. So pre-law, then you you say, uh, okay, fine. You finish that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Mom and Dad, mm-hmm. I'm headed, what, West Coast? And I went to graduate school at Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo. Okay. And then um, I was in getting my master's in political science, and I saw one of my teachers on a Friday night, and I was like, come get a beer with me. And he's like, I'm going to the library. I was like, why would you do that? And he's like, I go read periodicals and journals. I'm like, that sounds horrible. And then he said, that's what you do as a political scientist. And I was like... See ya. Yeah, that was not for me. I was 25, full of vigor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And not into periodicals. No. Not. Good day, sir. Good. Tip of the hat, and I went about my way. Sorry, Newsweek. <laughs> yeah. Not for me. <laughs> You're not going to pin me down, Newsweek. No. Yeah. I will be <laughs> and removed I... from current events. Oh. You don't need that as a comedian. No, you don't. You certainly do not need to know about current events. No. Unless you're, although, you know, it's weird is when I first started doing stand up, I was a political comedian. Uh-huh. That's what I did. Uh, and Will Durst yep. talked me out of it. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. Be- because he saw what you were doing, or because he was like, this is my corner of the world, or just he, uh, there's other things to do? He said that he had wished he hadn't got uh-huh. into politics because you have to constantly write. Yeah, you're always writing your material, and you can't just do a 45 and work on it. That's so right. You're constantly writing. Plus, the yeah. other thing, and I've talked to a lot of people that write on the late night shows and this kind of thing, um, and especially the ones that have a political focus, and the the burnout that you get from just paying attention right. to uh, the garbage fire yeah. that is happening, especially now. Yeah, it's so draining on everyone. Right, because you have no choice. You have to pay attention to yes. it. You can't just say, "Okay, this week." Right. I'm just about Game of Thrones. Yeah, and yeah. that's it. It's like, ooh, yeah. it can be tough. So well, I, and, it makes good sense. And now, with, I mean, in Will's day, they just had, you know, the newspaper and a few TV stations, you know, and whatever. Yeah. And then in, when I was first starting, there was no Facebook or Twitter or anything. So it was a little little more like 24-hour news. But now with the inundation of too just much. information, I can't imagine trying to keep up with it all. Yeah. And then people would be like, well, you didn't even talk about what's going on in Syria. You're a political comedian. Like, how could you, like, fit it all in? Right. Right. That hilarious bit about Syria, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's a big, good closure. Oh, man. It's a, it could be a, Uh, so, uh, how do you, but how do you get to San Francisco? Were you living at home in Kalamazoo? Uh, on your own? This no, I was on says, my own. Let's go look at some magazines. You're like, mm, okay, right. maybe this is not for me. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, I was have a beer. I I was playing in bands. I was uh, running our uh, uh, college radio station, WIDR eighty nine point one FM. Pretty good. Did you go back? Do you ever go back to the studio? I, every time, not every time. I, I was. I just went back a year ago to visit, yeah. and look around it again, and uh, so many great memories. What was your block? Mine was uh, every – so I did a jazz show. So I'm a big jazz yeah, fan. Okay. So every Sunday, noon to 3, I did Birdland. And then on uh, Thursdays from 6 to 9, I did Paco's Power Hours. Oh, yeah. what was in that? Uh, just like groovy tunes. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, just throwing down <laughs> whatever I could come up with. Stuff that I – you know, just like college radio, like from R.E.M. to like Snake Finger to like Super Tramp, then right into yeah. like Zappa and, you know – 
So that experience, do you feel like uh, it uh, trained you to be kind of quick on your feet, to uh, be comfortable around a microphone, to have uh, some oh. things at the ready? That's a good – yeah, I, I guess more the microphone. I've always been like kind of uh, – off the cuff kind yeah. of person, um, but the microphone thing for sure, and having yeah. to like get acquainted with that, and you, you you know with radio you're just staring at a wall. Yes, there's no one there, and yeah. you just hope someone's listening. And it's college, <laughs> right? And I I did have I mean I did that show for five, almost five years. Yeah, the Birdland, and I did have regular callers, which helped. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, the people were the Paco heads. They were Paco heads, yeah, yeah, which sounds worse than it is. Yeah, yeah they, so I did, I was on radio, and then um, my buddy, who I played in a jazz band with, moved to San Francisco, knew I wanted to move, and was like, uh, we have an opening in our house here, and um, come out. And what year was that? 97. 97. Same year I moved to San Francisco. Oh, no way. Did you have to, little beeper to, oh, well, you had place to live. I did. So you had, yes. that was good, because at that moment- Right. Not a great time to move to San Francisco because no. everybody was moving to San Francisco. Yes, exactly. Every <laughs> It was the place to move to. Yes. And all you hoped for was to get a job as a barista or a bartender. Like those were the jobs. Yeah. I catered. Oh, okay. See. And somehow that real estate person thought, okay, you're making enough money to <laughs> yeah. afford this apartment yeah. on the top of Potrero Hill. <laughs> oh, you went to, straight to Potrero. Well, I, you know, I was in Berkeley and then Bernal Heights, you know, kind of subletting and couch surfing a little bit, Yeah, uh, Ginny and I. But then we found this place and had views of the bay. I mean, it was spectacular. Oh, yeah, Patrol's And she beautiful. just liked us. Wow. <laughs> That's the only reason we got it, because she had to know I wasn't making that kind of money. Right. Doing catering yeah. and, you know, the occasional entertainment uh, gig here and there. Yeah. Like, it just wasn't happening. She just dug you guys. She just dug us. Wow. You know, I mean, we're irresistible. That is true. But yeah. uh, it was unlikely. But, yeah. oh, gosh, I remember the beeper would go off and you'd have to all rush over to the rental. Yes. Sign up at Rent Tech. Rent Tech and, SF. <clears throat> you got the thing in the folder. Yeah. And then you'd, people would be offering so much more than it was. Oh, yeah. And then it kind of collapsed. And then right. you thought, oh, good, things are going to return to normal. Right. And then, Bleh. yeah, back, back. <laughs> We're in our like, before. fourth wave or something now. Yeah. I don't even remember. I, yeah, I also, I remember in like 99 or something putting an ad on Craigslist for a room, one of our open rooms, and I got like 300 emails or something, <laughs> like all these phone calls and emails. Yes. And you had to do these like every half hour slots for people to come in and just kind of daisily walk around and try to, and you know, trying to make some small talk right. but you're like i have to go get the door you know like <laughs> someone else is here yeah those were tough and uh wh- where did you live mostly did you settle in a neighborhood i've only lived in one place oh that's it the same place same they, place they opened up for you yep wow yeah i do once i was <laughs> in i'm like i am not leaving so you didn't have to do all the beepers and stuff you just saw other people doing it. yes i've yeah. never looked for an apartment in san francisco oh you should I know. I hear great things about it. Yeah, I have gone to some open houses yeah. just to see what other people what, are doing, what other people, and what the hell it is. Is it still a roommate situation? My place. Yeah, it is now. It I it, it changes. Yeah. Okay. There's it, my, whenever I feel the particulars of having roommates, I'll get a roommate. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I have a five bedroom apartment. <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't leave either. No. Yeah. It's about three thousand square feet, this place. And, and it's it, a nice neighborhood. Yeah, it's a hate, upper hate. Yeah. Pretty decent. Yeah. Pretty, pretty nice. Pretty good. Yeah. That's where it was all happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the hate was like one of the like 
neighborhoods, the Diviz Corridor and the Upper Haight were like left alone for a long yeah, time. Yeah. Nobody, it was, you know, people were like, I want to move to the marina or I want to move to the mission. Yep. That's when everyone moved and they left the Haight and the Diviz Corridor alone. And the, you know, Divisadero used to just be like empty storefronts, weird dive bars and prosthetics places. Yep. You know, where it's just and like- And the barbecue. And barbecue. Yep. Thank you. Brother-in-laws. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. Now, though, it's like hopping, bustling. It's, it's un, unrecognizable. Unrecognizable. I think when I go back there. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, I don't get it. There's, there's a buy right. I'm like, people have ice cream cones. <laughs> you know, you used to have to take like a knife with you, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I almost died on Divisadero. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Not from a knife, oh. but a car, uh, I guess, got out of control or something. And just swerved enough, and it went up on the curb and hit like a like a meter or a tree or something. Yeah, but I mean, like right next. Wow, to me. <laughs> it, it was that's was terrifying. Shocking. Yeah, I, and I just kept walking because sure, what are you going to do? Yeah, but I had a meeting and have some coffee, and then I walked out and I almost got killed. And then I went about my day, but that was kind of well, that's to visit Daryl. That you. is to visit Daryl. It's a wild west on <laughs> the visit. If I didn't almost lose my life, it wouldn't be uh, worth it. Yeah. That'd be yeah. a good, like, like died on Divisadero. There's something, there's a nice title in there. Yeah. Death on Divisadero. Yeah. Yeah. Again, workshop it. Yeah. I will. Yeah. I'm going to get it on its feet. <laughs> let, let me know. <laughs> I will. I will let you know. Maybe you could direct it. Or... Oh, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay. Uh, uh, but some of those fifth grade plays maybe we could uh, bring oh, back. I'm sure All they commercials were... was one of them. <laughs> You mean commercial parodies? Yes. Yeah. It was all commercial parodies. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Strong work. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I watched a lot of TV when I was a kid. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, then uh, you get in, you're doing the jazz. Listen, there's worse places to be in a jazz band than San Francisco. Right. Very supportive of that. However, kind of worst jazz name of a band ever. Uh oh. Yeah. Psychobabble. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's a Horrible. lot for a flyer. It's a lot for everything. Yeah. <laughs> but 100 bucks a night. And we played at uh, some really great places. I play piano. Okay. So um, I move in. The drummer's the guy I move in with. He's got the van, you know, yes. classic. Yeah. Uh, I would start right away with Psycho Babble. We would play these different places around San Francisco. And yep. I was like, this is cool. And then I got a job at Ubiquity Records, which is like a great record label. Yeah. Yeah. And you were producing stuff? I was helping to produce stuff. I also was doing uh, reissues. I was in charge of Love and Hate, that oh. that catalog. Yeah. And my job was to, to try to find cool tunes to reissue and try to find the people who own the masters and stuff to you know see if we can get them. Well, that seemed like a fun way to learn about the history of San Francisco, right. too. And, and just and jazz. characters. Yeah, and crazy, yeah. like, undiscovered jazz hits and, yeah. you know, like, um, yeah, it was awesome. I It was, a, for, for just moving to San Francisco, it was a pretty sweet little setup. I like those kind of things, where you get to dig in and, like, oh, it kind of makes sense. That's why I like catering, because you would just go, or, well, as you're saying, with the playing music at different venues, you get to know the city. You oh, move yeah. move around as you're forced to. Yeah, and, and I feel like, you know, in the late, early, or late 90s, early 2000 San Francisco was going through a kind of a weird renaissance of like art and tech and like the Burning Man thing and yeah. like that whole like I remember you know we would get flyers telling us where what broken window and what warehouse in the dog patch to climb through to go <laughs> watch Robot Wars you know that kind of thing you know like it was a good time oh it was dreamy yeah <laughs> a golden age yeah yeah <laughs> crawling through windows <laughs> yeah it was to a good watch time. some basic cable. <laughs> or were they actual robots? 
Yeah, no, they were robots. Oh, okay. That fought. I you meant the TV show. No, robot that's wars. where the TV show came from. Was like, yeah. I'm imagining, oh, that guy has Comedy Central or whatever show that was. Uh, that's funny. No, you were actually watching the robot, little people that built robots. Yep. Yeah, wow. and they would fight. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was pretty sweet. A lot of robotics were going on for a some lot reason. Of robotics. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure why. There's a history of it. Oh. That survival research labs mm. and all that kind of stuff. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you see our show. Yes. And then comedy check uh, comes well, in. Yeah, I got I got a let go at Ubiquity. Yeah. And then I worked at Ohm Records okay. for a yeah. while. And then 9-11 happened and it destroyed. It destroyed the music industry. Yeah. Um, and then, among, among other things. I know, yeah. Much among, yes, yeah. many other things. Yeah. But the most important thing was this independent record label right. that put out house music. <laughs> right. Yeah. And right. two-step. Yeah. And uh, so like uh, we all got let go there. And then, um, yeah, then I was trying to find, I was like, you know what? The, oh, so uh, John Cornette, one of the people that started Ohm Records, his brother Jim Cornette was general manager at the Punchline. Oh, okay. And I used to tell him I want to do stand up. That's why I kind of moved to San Francisco. It wasn't for music. I really, I was like, maybe if I just leave, go far away from everybody, I can actually get into what I want to do, which was stand up. Yes. I want to do comedy, uh, acting, and voiceover. Those were my things yep. I wanted to do. Yeah. And so he would take me to the punchline, and we would see like David Tell. I saw Patrice O'Neill. I saw you know Mitch Hedberg. You right. know. So I was everybody like, had your mind expanded. Oh man, yeah, yeah. And then I still was like, "How do you do it? How do they do it?" <laughs> right. And so you go back with the punchline. Yeah, yeah two, I would say two thousand and one or two thousand two thousand one probably is the first time I went to the punchline, and I met Molly, who I think was like a bar back then, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then of course Jim Cornette, and yeah, yeah. Um, I remember going there not too many times, but I remember seeing how magical. Uh, just destroy. Oh, he's so good. He did that Burger King bit. Yes. I love the Burger King bit. Yes. It was so funny. Yeah. Oh, uh, Al's so funny. He's great. And he was always so kind to me. We did a couple things out there together. Oh, you did? Yeah. And uh, we had a great time backstage in a, a bottle of Evan Williams or something. Nice. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> getting, your, getting your whiskey on. The getting what it is, on. Did you do sketch with him or stand? Did you ever try stand up? Uh, I, I have over the years uh-huh. done it here and there, doing yeah. a little five or seven minute yeah. set. But uh, I wouldn't ever say it was stand up. I think uh, I've you know come in and done a little something for the people. Yeah. But uh, that that's that's about it. It's not my immediate comfort zone. Right. But over in the past couple of years, I have worked on trying to just get, you know, a bit. Yes. Right. And then do that bit. Yeah. Because I was put into some festivals where they said, oh, well, you, you can do a stand-up set. I thought, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Have any Evan Williams? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But now the punchline, what's going on with it? Because it's oh. been in the news that they've gotten pushed. It's the yes. thing that's in the parking lot in the Embarcadero, right? Yes, basically. How is that prime real estate for anybody? Because it's in San Francisco. That's crazy I know. Me. It opened in 1978. But I mean, of all the no man's lands in San Francisco, right. and there are probably still a couple left. There's a, probably a couple. That's yes. got to be up there. Yeah. No one is down there. No. Well, I I think that's part of the reason why, like, just a 
tech company might work for i don't know i don't get it it's, it's a parking garage it's literally it's on top of the embarcadero <laughs> yeah I, and it's not big it's not a big space no. either like i think like google's gonna rent it so they can sell ads about historic venues f- that are not any longer in san francisco you know like <laughs> nice I just eat itself yeah, yeah exactly it's a so I don't know. It's really sad. Yeah, we just found out a couple of weeks ago that it's closed. It's not closing. It's relocating. But they're not getting their lease renewed. No, they're not. So that place is done for that spot, and they're going to have to reinvent it somewhere else. Yes. Like so many places. Yeah. A lot of places. Like the Hemlock is gone. Yeah. Um, so many great venues in SF are no longer. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, pushed out. By mm-hmm. um, but the the club was special. Completely, it's hard to recapture that, and you always sometimes you see a restaurant and it'll expand. Right, doesn't do so. Never well. does. Their second location yeah. <laughs> kills everything. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard to get that magic in another spot. Abs- something about the patina of the wear of the the people that have been there, who have stood in there, who have con- con- contributed their energy to the place. It, it's hard to replicate that in a new. I hundred percent, and I wish them well. But I mean, it's right. It's like if the comedy store closed, and it's the equivalent. You know, it's like if the comedy cellar here closed, it would just be people would be like, "What? That doesn't make sense." (laughs) You know, like it doesn't make any sense. It's been it's launched so many great careers. Um, It's been such a great venue. Just it's like it doesn't make sense. And you run a show from there too. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Charm Offensive. The Charm Offensive is is my show there. Yeah. Yeah. And our our last show is next week. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What what date? Uh, Wednesday, uh, May 29th. Okay. Is the Charm Offensive at the San Francisco location, the current one that's closing or right. moving or whatever right. it is. Yeah. Well, it, it'll be an emotional show for you. I, it will be, and it'll also be my 12-year stand-up anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So, um, which is slightly made up because I don't really remember <laughs> when it was, but it was around 12 years ago. Yeah. You don't yeah. remember the first gig? I don't because I did, I hosted the Romaine event. Yeah. And it, I just started morphing stand up into it. Kind of from that. Yeah. Because yeah. my story is, I had to go backward. Like, I won Best Comedian in the Bay Guardian in 2005. And everyone started coming to see me do stand-up, and I didn't do stand-up. I, That's like two years in or something, right? I was two years in. I did not do stand-up. I only did characters. Yeah. And people were coming to see me do stand-up. <laughs> and I was disappointing them <laughs> every step of the way. Well, I'm sure that's not true. Uh, well, I started doing stand-up, <laughs> and yes, it is true. Yeah. I remember having oh, I this see. this, I see. this girl, woman come up to me. She was in doing stand-up. She's like, I want to take your brain home and examine because she hadn't seen me do stand-up yet. Yeah. She's like, I want to see how – because she's like, your best comedian. And I was like, yeah, and then I did a set, and I, she just wouldn't even look at me. It was so bad. I was so – I mean, everyone's bad when they start doing stand-up. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's part of why I also don't want to start it now. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, man. I don't want to go back. Yeah, it's a long. It's it's a long journey. I can't do an open mic at this point. Oh my god! I'm too right? old. Yeah, I don't know if they'd let you in. They may not let you in. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think they let me in. It, Look, judging by, I mean, whether I get on stage or not. Right. But I mean, just. They need the people there. They do need the people. Actually, you're right. Yeah. Anyone can do open mics. I mean, they're I don't I have such mixed feelings about open yeah. mics. Do they work? Do they help? I don't know. I know? think the, the the thing that I would say and not having done them really, uh, but is that they uh it's like a it's a 
like what we're talking about with these clubs. It, like it attaches itself to you as an experience. Mm. And you can say, well, I've done so many mics. Or like you've actually had that. I mean, I have – in hosting, which is a whole other skill set, but hosting, I have done some difficult – you want to talk about paying dues. When you're the guy that everybody's supposed to be trusting and they, they think you're responsible for when it goes sideways – that's it i've had it yeah i've had beer cans thrown at me i've had to do break dancing i've had to do all sorts of things in all sorts of places yeah you know uh so in terms of the ten thousand hours i've achieved it it hasn't always been doing stand-up yeah but my gosh if you want to see me dig myself out of a hole right i can do it yeah (laughs) yes i'm sure you will never forget that either it's deep in your muscle dna when things go south yeah what you start grasping for it's amazing what you can come up with. I only recently recovered from one, and that was because I saw the guy again. I said, you know, I had a bad set with you. It was John Oliver. And, I mean, maybe I said this on the show before, but I, I did a show about 10 years ago when I was starting out with Pete Holmes, Jesse Klein, and the lineup was like Wyatt Cenac, Hannibal, and John Oliver, something like that. Jeez. And, I, and why I was there, who knows, but I... <laughs> I did the thing, and uh, I did it once, and it was funny. Then I did it a second time. They invited me back, and that's when John was on the show. And, oh, my gosh, just for me, I'm sure it was okay. People said it was fine. Yeah. But I just – it was – I got angry. I got sad. I mean, it was, like, really a bad (laughs) thing. You had all the emotions. And, and, you know, you can have 100 good shows, but you carry along that death with you. Mm -hmm. And I finally, this this year, uh, got to do a show with John, and I said, listen – Ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. And he was, he like, you don't he's, even have to go he's on. He's like, oh, shows in the bookstore. That's the the hardest kind. You know, he's very nice about it. Yeah. And then I did my thing, and he said, very funny. So I feel like at least I kind of healed. Right. Yes, you went back and <laughs> I healed. I just needed somebody to say, very funny. Somebody right. who had, and he, of course, didn't remember me from before. Why would he? Right. It's fine. Yeah. But so that, that healing process. It's important. It's important, because yes. now I don't think about it that day anymore. Yes. I know what went wrong, but I don't have to think about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's important to go back and exercise those demons. You yeah. know, you have to. You have to. There's a couple, it's like batters, like, not a, every batter has, like, di- different parks. They, they they do well in different parks. Like, yeah. I used to have different rooms I could not do well in, and I would have to go back and get them. <laughs> Yeah, it was like I have to conquer this room I, for me, not for anyone else. Yeah, you know, like this is this is important for myself. Yeah, yes, like a little video game level. Oh yeah, you have Abs- to finish it off. You do. You have to finish. It. Well, that's cool that you did. Was the most recent show? What was that show? Was that live somewhere? Our live show? It wasn't at a bookstore with John Oliver, was it? Well, that one I was a part of uh, Scott Rogowski's show. Uh, he runs a late at night talk show kind of a thing, and this is part of New York Comedy Festival. Oh, cool! So not only did I get to do that, but also an hour New York Comedy Festival. Oh, put that on the yeah, credit. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> put it on the flyer. They didn't book me. Who oh, cares? Oh. Still use it. You still I'll put use that it. logo on there. Oh, yeah, you better believe it. Feels good. So you 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 become a kind of statesman of the scene in San Francisco. Okay. Uh, you know you're there for a while. Yes. You right? Yes, definitely. And so you know everybody, and everybody comes through, and That's like true. I said, people are happy to see you at the at the parties. Yeah. And, everything. and at some point, you also started this podcast, Subdoc. Yes. With George, George Chen, Chen yeah. who has been on this show, yes, uh, a little while ago, part of the Sketchfest once, three or four years ago, right? Uh, and that show, that podcast, is all about documentaries. Yes, it is. So that is a parallel interest of yours all along. Yes, you love docs, love them. 
Love them to death. <laughs> Jazz and docs. I'm a lot of fun at parties. Yeah. Well, I mean, those are things. They are things. It's better than uh, talking about tech or something. That is true. Yeah. Tech and checkers. <laughs> or real estate. Or real estate. Yeah. I love documentaries. <laughs> love them to death. And I watched a couple because I know that you're on the show. And I, I also like documentaries. Sure. And what? tell me what the format of your show, though, is. Well, we have guests that come on and they pick a documentary that they want to talk about. Hopefully they have a connection to it. And some, some people have been in the documentary. Some people uh, have, a, have a strong connection to the subject matter. Yeah. They may know the person that's in the something. I mean, it's not always works out like that, but we try to have guests that have strong connections to the doc that they talk about. And then we recap it with them. We have some games that we play, cast this doc as if it would be a biopic. Uh-huh. Um, pitch us a doc that you would love to get seen made that's yes. never been made. Yeah. You might know a kooky story that you would think would make a great documentary. Yeah. And um, that's about it. It's just like a documentary recap show. Uh, and it's been a very successful. Yeah. Play. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. It's it's fun because when I first started it, I watched um, – I was really sick. I had like bronchitis and I watched PBS's 100 Greatest Documentaries. Yeah. <laughs> and they on their website, they have this thing where you can put a check mark yeah. to, next to the ones you've watched. So I watched all 100 <laughs> and I wanted to hear someone talk about documentaries. Yeah. And I love podcasts and I couldn't find a single – Podcast about there's documentary podcasts, yes, They're like uh, serial or, or you know, but but I wanted to hear a, a podcast about documentaries and so. not just one and not just one either. Right. And not Sometimes like I wasn't into deep. the like the like film history or like by filmmakers, I just wanted to hear people just chat about docs, right? Yeah, right. And there wasn't one, so I was like, well, I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how you that's that's how you do it. Start. Yeah, um, well, I did watch the, the flat earth one. Which, nice. What's it called? Uh, Behind the Curve. Behind the Curve. Yeah. And it uh, seems like an amateur hobby, a little call for attention that's gone, uh, that's gotten out of control. A little out of control. If it hadn't been for a few celebrities like uh, Kyrie Irving and some other people who were like, I believe that it's fl-. like, I never, I don't think it would have gotten much press or maybe even people knew about it. But yeah. Yeah. But people think the earth is flat. But you can see how religions start. Yes, when you, you can. watch that, you say, "Okay, it just takes one charismatic guy, yeah, with some kind of idea, and then some people following, right, and get behind it, yes. no matter how crazy the thing sounds." Yes, exactly. But, okay, I know something that other people don't. Yeah, here's a secret knowledge of the universe. Oh, whoa, <laughs> well. secret, yeah, well, and I like how like um, charismatic is has different levels. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know? well, like that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if you watch Behind the Curve, Mark Sargent isn't exactly David Carr. Correct. Yes. Yes. But, well, he also lives with his mom. <laughs> maybe <laughs> still does, yes. credit, yeah. he had a couple of wives. But you see that over there? That's Seattle. <laughs> and the reason we can see Seattle because the earth is flat. It's awesome. <laughs> oh, gosh. What a mess. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I mean, Rajneeshi and all that kind of thing. I mean, you do get these charismatic people. A lot of it yeah. is here's a charismatic person who has spun some kind of web Ooh, yeah. and people got sucked into it. Did you see Wild Wild Country? I did. Oh, yeah. man, so yeah. good. Yeah, amazing. Oh, oh, such a great doc. It what is. a crazy story. It is interesting to me, though, that now documentaries, which once used to be a couple of hours, right. are now six hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who gave that a green light? <laughs> I don't know. Every time you think, oh, good, I'm done with it. What, there's five more? Yeah. Holy well, I think, Ken, you know, Ken Burns is a guy who will like- Oh, he's the know. one. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, yep. exactly. I Baseball, forgot. jazz, Civil War, Civil War Vietnam. Oh, gosh. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah he said, let's go along with this. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Dear Ezra. <laughs> he always has the letter reading stuff. Yes. Uh, I would he, love to talk to that guy, though. Ken Burns? Yeah, right? Why wouldn't he be on your show? Why wouldn't he be on Subtech? I don't yeah. know. I want to talk to Errol Morris, yeah. Michael Moore, Ken Burns. As if, uh, Penelope Spheris would love to talk to her. Yeah. so They all seem gettable. You would think. I mean, documentary directors are pre- like... What are they doing? They just maybe they stay at home and watch you know the kids a little bit. You know what they're doing? What? They're reading periodicals in the library. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> they like really old are. Old periodicals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very old. Indeed. That's funny. Uh, you think you could fall for that kind of thing? What? Like a flat earth or like a Rajneesh. I've been conned before. Yeah. But no, I'm too skeptical. But I have been conned yeah. out of three hundred bucks. So, oh well, yeah, yeah, that, that mean, happens. It does happen. That was more of like a golden carrot dangled, and yeah. I was like, I want that. But I don't think I would fall into. I grew up in a very, very, very religious family. Mm. So the cult thing. My my stepsister got into a cult. She went to Oral Roberts University yes. and got fell into a cult. Yeah, and my dad had to go and like get her at midnight to get her out. Oh, yeah, I had to drive to. Arkansas or Oklahoma, wherever it is, and then go pluck her out and take her back home. Yeah, because the Oral Roberts thing itself was a kind of a cult. Of course. Well, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, Bible University. No, I mean, I know what it is. Yeah. yeah. No, but like- <laughs> I didn't a, know if there was another level There is. A prayer group oh, boy. was like, hey, do you want to be part of our prayer group? She's like, yeah. And then like, hey, we have extra rooms in our house. She's like, great. And they're like, but now you can't leave. Now you can't use cell phones. And, you know, there might be some sex. Okay, Paco. But then- that story that you just laid out, just change it slightly. Yeah. We're in a jazz band. Right. Hey, I got a room in my house. <laughs> right. You've right. never left. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do I need and to come I've, out there in a But I've never wagon? had sex there, so <laughs> oh, it's a little different. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. It's a you're little, fine. I'm fine. Yeah. It has nothing to do with sex. <laughs> it's not a cult. <laughs> no. It, you have to have sex to be have a cult. There's always sex involved. Even That's the guy, true. the Beakram guy. Yeah. Jeez. But you know what I say? What? You got to avoid the number two in the cult. <laughs> what does that no, mean? No, the number two position, the person. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> okay, I realize that uh, we got to change gears, but I mean that that person is the one that has all the power. The, oh, the, the number two, number Sheila, two. like Sheila, like Sheila. But always, it's number two, and that person is dangerous because they think they are acting on behalf of number one because right. sometimes number one doesn't want anything to deal with the rest of the people, right? And they're kind of becoming the manager. Right. Ooh. Yeah, you don't want... Assistant yeah. manager Kev is the guy you... Yeah. <laughs> He's the bad one at the goal. The hand. It's yeah, that's the hand. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. That's a good point. Uh, I watched that Three Brothers one. Oh, yeah. What, what's it called? Uh, that one was called um, uh, Perfect Strangers. <laughs> Perfect Strangers, something like that. Yeah. So then I'm I'm flying out to something like that. Right. Or that's the 80s TV that's show. That's the show. That's the TV show. Bronson. Yeah. Perfect... Something. I think it's Perfect Strangers. Whatever, Whatever. it is. Yeah. There's about three identical brothers, and they have this history that happens. So I'm on a flight to L.A. or something. Right. The two brothers get on. What? The two guys. The and two then, guys? And then they start talking the whole time. They didn't shut up the whole time. The Just whole like flight. the documentary. Just like the documentary. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. And is the, uh, Wait, did they talk to you or just in gen- Well, of course, somebody recognized them and they said, yeah, we're the guys. And yeah. then the one lady who was sitting next to them was very mean at first because they were kind of like, you know, yeah. they are what they are, like big, loud guys. Yeah. She's like, ugh. 
And then somebody said, you know who they are. And then she like quickly snapped into being totally uh, oh, in love it. with it. Like oh. you just watch celebrity such as it is. Yes. <laughs> completely yes. melt it's everyone around them. Unravel. I mean, it was a little documentary into itself right oh, there. Oh, yeah. But, uh, the Identical Strangers? Coming. Identical Strangers? Is that what it's... Yeah, yeah that's really. a really great doc. I really thought that was going to come shooting out of the cannon. I thought really, I thought it was really going to like be a big doc, and I don't think it was. Like the Wolf yeah. Pack. Do you remember that documentary? Yeah, yeah. I really thought that was going to be like this huge celebrated documentary because the story was so interesting, but it kind of just came and... and I think there's just too many of them. There's a lot. I think there's too many. Are there any hidden gems we should be checking out? Oh, gosh. There's... So many. I mean, the classics, of course. I yep. mean, you, you got to go yep. back and watch the classics. But um, there and if are. If you ever want to understand documentary now, right? The the parody of all the things. Right. It really helps to have seen the. It original. does help. Do you like that show? <laughs> I'm uh, not a fan. Well, uh, I I enjoy certain moments. If it's a documentary, I enjoyed, and right. then it's kind of parodying it. Right. But also, it's parodying parodying it so closely mm-hmm. that it seems redundant mm-hmm. except for every now and again it'll have a little surprise to it right, and right, it's right. fun and yeah. there's some good performances but right yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it feels I just feel like it's a little it should be funnier I, I feel like if <laughs> like I feel like it should be funnier yeah. and they always they, ne- they never know how to end it it's you know I don't know it's the endings are always a little weird and I feel like like this is so there's so much material it should be funnier especially with those two geniuses involved well I give them a lot of credit for the opening sequence oh yeah Alan Mirren and the oh yeah I mean it's a PBS special yes yes (laughs) they they nailed that part yeah they did you convincingly think it's an actual show yeah you're right yeah so for that that's true that is true Uh, and so and people can. Listen, obviously, to the podcast. All this is ongoing, and you're always coming up with good doc, even if you don't have a good recommendation. Yeah. Now. Oh yeah. Oh now. Well, I mean, there there is um there was just um uh well uh, I mean there's there's so many making a murder is awesome I'm, I'm sure people have seen that yeah. like true crime is huge right yeah. now yeah um there was that recent um. Mm, I can't remember the title right now about about the daughter that was kidnapped by the from the family in Utah, um, and she was taken away. It, that doc is nuts. They, they, now they remade the one of the of of the woman who was uh, it's what's called the game the the con. I can remember zero <laughs> yes, names of any documentary. I know there was the show on HBO. Yeah, that that was the documentary right of the woman and her daughter. And the daughter had the some kind of disease, and there was a kind of a mommy dead and dearest. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, boy, I watched that one on a plane, mm. and it that is wow amazing. That Gypsy Rose is, Blanchard. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Yes. And now they're making it into some kind of fictional on show Hulu. That, yes, the act I believe right. it's called Patricia Arquette. Yes, yep. delightful Patricia Arquette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one's well, worth it. If, if people haven't seen the original, yes, you will. Uh, be rewarded. You want to hear something freaky, yeah. something a little kooky, something a little oh, creepy? Okay. They're <laughs> Gypsy Rose Blanchards. Yes. And her mother, Dee Dee, had a shared Facebook page. Yes. Because Dee Dee was murdered and is now dead, it's in memoriam, but you can still go to it. And the last post on it is, that bitch is dead, that she wrote. That got her in trouble. You can still go to it today. No one has taken it down. Nobody has taken it down. Well, one died and one went right to prison. (laughs) And it's still public. And you can read all of the comments. And it's crazy. It's really weird. It's it's because there's such a like... 
distance from the monitor to you to the story to like lately like i feel like because there's so much information we have a emotional distance from yes. everything but when then you, when you see it you're like it is real yeah like it's it's really it's really weird i think that's a good uh, point to make that th- this is it's real it's real it is real that, that these are real people that had real things happen to them yeah. in some case terrible things happen Horrible. to them and uh, they're they're not always better for it, and it gets lumped into like, well, you liked this show, so maybe you like this, and it becomes a kind of entertainment algorithm. Yes, when in fact you do need to. It's important to step back. These are real people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's and really I mean, strange. It's, we can make jokes about them, but right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, real let, horrible let's not things. Lose our compassion. Right, and sometimes you know now I think because document my favorite time period of documentaries was like early nineties to like the mid two thousands because there was nothing stylized. It was very very dry. They didn't have lower thirds, uh, like typing of yeah. where we were, and there was no animation. It was more just like mise-en-scene kind of style, where you just followed these people. And I really enjoy that style. Because yeah. then in the mid 2000s you got more into animation, you got more into moving picture, you know. Like that the Robert Evans one. Oh, Kid Stays, kid in, the stays in the Pictures. It's got a lot of animation, though. And that's one point. of the first ones, Brett Morgan, like, that's one of the yeah. first docs that kind of broke that mold. Yeah. And then, like, supersized me, and, like, they came yeah. a little more flashy, and a little more interesting. Um, and that's what happens. You start to lose that, like, these are real people. Yeah. You know, this seems more of like a sensational story, you know, versus, like, this actually happened, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I appreciate your sensational story. Thank you that so much. That actually happened. Yes, I appreciate Yeah, make a good doc. And uh, you got a little bit longer in New York? I do. I Well, I leave tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, well, I leave. I'm glad this worked out. Yeah, me too. Yeah, doing a show tonight, leave tomorrow, get back to San Francisco. And keep going. Keep going, man. I love it. Yeah, thank you, it. buddy. Um, Paco, always great to see you. As you I as said, well. you're the best. I'm glad this worked out. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time. Have thank great you. shows. And I'll see you at the after party. Thank you so much. (laughs) There we go. So fun learning more about myself. Personalized reading this week goes out to Harrison Duglip of Pine Tar Shields, California. Oh, that's up north. Like, my dad always said you're from where you fly out of. And lucky numbers this week are 30 and 20, which corresponds to how many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches I have eaten to try and pay myself back for spending too much on a PR firm and... How many more I have to eat before the debt is paid? It's a lot of PB&J for old Dale. But two more people came to the show, so maybe it's working. Okay, that'll do it for this episode. Remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is independently produced by James Bewley. He's gotten used to answering to the name Dale when people see him. Season 11 podcast icon by Candace Brorsma. Season 11 podcast theme by Zach Gabbard. Music heard throughout the show by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm in Ohio. Season 11 poster artwork contributed by illustrators Catherine Lamb, Maria Wen, Scott Balmer, Ronald Horn Industries, and Laurent Rybick. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this show on Apple Podcasts. Even if you listen on some other fine platform, zip over there and leave us a couple of stars. Uh, the show is weekly with live events every other month at the Slipper Room in Manhattan on the Lower East Side. Thank you for listening and for your kind support. Now with Gaia's blessings, let's seal the portal. <laughs>